Matt, okay. I, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I don't know which movie it was. I just watched a movie. I'm pretty sure it was Tana. It no. opened it up, and it had the production logo of MoviePass, and I was like, No. Oh, you, how did you get here, MoviePass? I'm not going to let this pass. I, I want to know. You're gonna I'm not going to let this movie pass? <laughs> I want to know if it shows on the movie when you start the movie is what I'm saying. There's literally a list of all of the movie pass I movies. Don't care. And first of all, Tana is not <laughs> the on there. I understand. I just looked at the list. I am aware that Tana is not on it. I just watched something with movie pass in front of it because I remember actively going like, what? Did you watch How Gotti? Did get here? <laughs> I did not watch Gotti. Did it star John Travolta? <laughs> You know, like the Godfather. I'm Gotti. Well, you you also said that it was with The Orchard. And The Orchard is Tana. But American Animals is the movie pass Orchard combo. Was it American Animals that you watched? He's turning on the TV right now. I'm finding this because I'm done. Used to be wrong. I know I'm right. Something had it. I'm not something saying, had it. I, I, I agree crack with you. This case. There I'm are crack this case. There are threes of movies that have it, and I've told you all three of them. <laughs> oh, he's storming off. Oh, it's getting real. <laughs> oh, he's getting his his remote control. Um, I guess we. We can introduce the podcast. <laughs> uh, hello, everybody, and welcome to another film podcast. I'm Tierney. I'm Colin. I'm Matt. <laughs> and this I'm week so, we are. I'm Matt. <laughs> this week we're discussing the 2015, 16, potentially 18 film <laughs> Tana that was maybe produced by MoviePass for it to be determined here <laughs> by Matt. I literally thought he was going to say that he was mad when he introduced himself. <laughs> just, and I'm mad that, <laughs> that we're getting into a dumb fight about this. I'm going to take... Uh, you're going to witness it come up on the screen. Witness. witness? And then I'm going to take a picture of it, and we're going to include it in the pictures for this episode. I'm so excited for Matt to be wrong. <laughs> also, did you just pull up Netflix? No. Oh, okay. I pulled up your Amazon Prime. <laughs> yeah, that's. I uh, went to go watch it this morning, and it was like, watch again. And I was like, wait, what? I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. Matt yeah, still has my me. account. <laughs> I got it. I got it. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, while Matt's doing that. Oh, I watched Hannah, the movie with the assassin child. Is that's what I still not movie pass. I know. I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> That was just a, a play on the fact that those two sound the same. Yeah, that's yeah. it. That's the whole joke. Um, it's kind right, of well, like a, the Kinto Bean <laughs> joke. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Real, so real this quick, was gotta... my movie selection. And I it's been on my watch list for a few years. I think it, it came after watching... Uh, I think it was from watching this Sam Neill 
God love them. The documentary series on. Wait, uh, all right, sorry. Pause. So there's the orchard logo. Okay. We're watching oh, yeah. the, the orchard sorry, logo pop up. And, and like I said before. I'm not entirely sure if this was a movie pass. No bullshit. You literally you just mean- said that you were going to take a screenshot and post it because you wanted to prove that you were right. But this whole time I've been asking which movie I saw it on. I'm that still waiting for a movie pass logo. Yeah. I, maybe they distributed it. I bet they distributed it. No. <laughs> that was Screen Australia. Film Victoria. Okay. It's a pretty okay logo. Also, I recognize the Orchard logo, uh, at the like very quickly. Okay. Oh, and look, the movie started. <laughs> there's uh, the, there's I no knew more it studio wasn't titles. This movie. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Just the fastest of flip flopping. I don't know where I saw it. That was the problem. I, I think you watched American Animals and you just wanted to fight uh, about it. Dang. I'm checking my Netflix too. This is the most no, fascinating you, intro, I'm sure. You gotta stop. We gotta record the rest of no, this thing. I'm, I'm perfectly able to talk. I am I'm keeping up with the conversation. I'm right next to my microphone. Jesus Christ. All right, Tierney, as you were. Yeah. So uh in the documentary he talks about the it's like um Captain Cook's colonization of all of the Pacific Islands. Mm. Um or how his like journey led to the colonization uh it's an interesting documentary but they stop in vanuatu which is where tana is filmed and somehow i must have been on wikipedia and i saw that there was a movie that took place there and i was like i want to watch it so this has been on my list for probably like two years um it was nominated for an academy award so i was like oh it's probably probably pretty good uh so i put it on the list because i haven't seen it yet and that's my intro. <laughs> and what'd you think? Um, well, I know I had messaged you guys about this, so I was like, kind of uh, concerned when it started because it is um, like it follows an indigenous tribe, and it's filmed by two white dudes, and so I was kind of nervous that it was going to fall into like the National Geographic exoticism. Uh, pitfall i really struggled for a word there that (laughs) that it like has happened in the past um but in the end i thought it was a a nice love story and um i thought it was handled fairly well it was very i thought the cinematography was really pretty um and like the characters i thought were pretty well developed i really like uh wawa's little sister celine Celine. i love her (laughs) um so I, yeah, sorry. I, um, I was the only one of us who had seen this movie. Um, I watched this apparently in, in our apartment, uh, in February of 2017. Where were we? I look, you guys (laughs) were not that invested in watching all the obscure Academy Award nominations that year. So, uh, I don't know how I got away with watching this without you guys, because presumably I would have watched this in the living room, but maybe you guys were just gone or didn't care i don't really know but anyway um i watched it back then um because it was nominated for an oscar and i basically didn't remember any of it um and so i looked it up last night and i gave it a five and a half out of ten in my like uh, like ranking system that i had back then 
And I think I would probably be in a similar camp if I were to rank it now. I rewatched it this morning uh, for the pod. I think I would probably go three out of five stars. Um, I think it's like it's well made. Um, and I think it's it is an interesting story. Uh, but it just like it never like fully captivated me in the way that um, some of the other movies we've watched have. Um, and Was like, it more or less captivating than Al Pacino's Shrink Ray? <laughs> um, I would say, on the whole, more captivating. Although, okay. there was that one shot where... I can't remember who it was, but there was, like, an older uh, man in the tribe who, like, put his hands on one of... I think, um, Dain, maybe? I, I can't remember exactly, but, you, like, the camera, cl- like focuses in on this old man's hands and i did think of you tyranny (laughs) oh i had no problems with any of the hands in this movie because they're they're normal hands no no no, for sure yeah yeah like fritos (laughs) on top of fingers (laughs) no i didn't think that you would think that they were bad hands okay like the fact that like the camera zoomed in and like for like basically the entire frame was just someone's hands i was like Oh, Tierney's going to like this. <laughs> I do remember that shot. Um, but yeah, so I didn't really remember much of this movie. Uh, as I was watching it, it like slowly started coming back to me. Um, like you said, I think the for me, the most noteworthy thing of this movie was the cinematography. I think it every single shot and I think it it helps that like it was filmed, you know, in the jungle and or in front of like an active volcano. So like. I love Every, those. All of those volcano shots were phenomenal. And so, like, yeah. the, the movie just looked beautiful. So even though I wasn't, like, that invested in, like, the characters of the story, um, like, it was, I would say it was a worthwhile watch just for, like, the beauty of um, of this this movie. But, mm-hmm. Matt, did you find what you were looking for or did you give up? I gave up. I don't remember what it was. And I don't know where, where it existed. It was probably uh, American Animals. <laughs> um, uh, I so I, there's a piece of information that I just discovered that we could talk about later. Uh, but uh, I, my opinion of the movie, I probably liked it more than uh, both of you. I, I never thought, said I didn't like it. I was gonna say I was. I think yeah, I'm the only it's one just who. So crazy how much you both hated it. And what how are you talking about? Much I got out of it. I thought it was a very sweet story. I really liked it. Well, good. Uh, Then, yeah. But, yeah, I just, I thought it was uh, a very, it it felt timeless. Mm -hmm. um, And it felt like a fairy tale or, like, a myth Mm -hmm. in its stakes and its, like, uh, just plot of, like, the way things develop. But um, it felt in those ways... Uh, just like a very human story and told in uh, an environment that we haven't uh, had very many films set in uh, with people from native tribes mm-hmm. of uh, this area, <clears throat> I think from that island. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was, was very cool, uh, especially with like everything just felt very authentically presented mm-hmm. Um and their life was shown in the way that it, like, probably is day-to-day. Um, it seems like they had a lot of agency in, like, the way their tribes were presented. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Which I thought was really cool. Um, and, yeah, 
any shot near the volcano um, was a sta- like a outstanding. Um, and I, also there were just like tons of incredible shots uh, that were just like very memorable and usually lingered on the screen for a long time. So you really got to like absorb all like the layering and all like the racked focus and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I thought there's, I think there's a lot to talk about too. So I'm excited to dive in. Yeah, I think yeah. Um, I, I like that you referred to it as timeless because I think, um, so I don't know if we've mentioned this yet or not, but this is based on a true story. Um, mm-hmm. And the whole like first half hour-ish of the movie, um, like this could have taken place like a thousand years ago. Like there's yeah. there's no like current day technology or anything, like everything they're doing, you're just like, yeah, uh, an indigenous group of people who live in a forest or in the jungle, like, this is just how they would have lived for thousands of years. Mm-hmm. And then at one point, you just see, like, oh, there's, like, an actual, like, colony. Like, they're walking around, and you can just kind of see off in the distance there's, like, houses and stuff. And so you're like, oh, okay, so maybe this is, like, a little bit, you know, like, maybe 50s, 60s, 70s-ish. And then at the end of the movie, there's, like, just a little tag that kind of, like, ties up, like, what really happened, a la, like, a documentary. And it says, like, since 1987, this, this, this. I was like, holy shit, like, this this almost happened in our lifetimes. Like, it's not that mm-hmm. old. Um, mm-hmm. Which I thought, like, that was really fascinating, too. Um, just seeing that, like, even in, quote, unquote, like, modern times, like, this group of people were able to just, like, completely stay separated and completely like do their own thing um which i thought was kind of cool yeah also the picture that um the shaman of the village shows wawa um of them meeting the royal family of england is Mm -hmm. a real picture from 2007 which is another thing that kind of obscures exactly when this is taking place right um but uh yeah i think that moment too of like seeing a magazine is like what? <laughs> uh, what? Um, and I think that, I think we could dive into this movie from that perspective. I think of like uh, the way it plays with your perception of when it's taking place. Because I think waiting until the very end to say it was 1987 was purposeful. Oh, for sure. Um, in the same way, revealing that magazine felt very like what? Um, and I think the that idea too that like this story could be told today a thousand years ago uh, but like this tradition is still alive like this these people are still you know growing together and um, have traditions and do this work and in the movie he even says like at, at the end uh, like we've resisted all these things that could have <coughs> disrupted the way our like past and future, would continue but like we've resisted and there's no sense in us being further divided when there's so few of us left anyway mm-hmm. um i thought that was like a very powerful way to um kind of get the point across in this movie is that like, yeah it's not about it's not even about like the idea of love marriage uh being uh against the arranged arranged marriage that was a tradition for so long um is a concept of like kind of modernity versus uh tradition but i think it's also just of agency of that like you can give agency and acknowledge people's humanity uh even when keeping 
your traditions alive uh if it means that they are happier and if it means that like it's better for your people mm-hmm. um and i think that was like a really interesting way for these two tribes to come together um and it's really not a very violent movie uh when i was yeah. thinking about it i was like despite this like very heavy like uh like <laughs> environment of like at, at any moment war could break out uh and like uh Dain's parents were killed um before the movie started so we like also don't see that happen um but in general it, it was less violent than you'd expect like a a movie about tensions between two peoples to be yeah um and even in that way it felt uh much sweeter than i think a lot of these stories typically uh, mm-hmm. feel yeah because the like yeah. the opening like song or whatever is basically just like we've been warring forever uh like you know kind of gives you that context that like we've been like these two clans have been at war and then there's like several lines of dialogue where they say like oh they they kill us out here like uh celine goes running and her like grandpa or father one of them has to like chase her down and be like you can't go here because like this is where they kill people um but like the most violent scene of the entire movie to your point matt was like um when they club the the shaman on top of the volcano but even that like you don't they don't see anything it's just like the filming of that is really good it's it's fantastic it's just like a silhouette of like a club coming down but you don't actually see like anybody getting hit or anything so it's like you know exactly what happens but it's it's filmed in a way that it's like we're not going to show you this this like aggressive violence we're just going to like you know kind of let this moment play out in in this like kind of beautiful way um as beautiful as you know somebody literally getting clubbed in the head can be um but I, i did like the the way that they shot that i think that like to add on to i guess what both of you said uh but i think that like the love story itself is very sweet and it's like a very tender love story which i really liked but then I would say that is like the principal theme of of the film, but then there's the like another theme which you had talked about, Matt, which is like this resistance to uh, colonialism and being able to preserve your culture. And even if you look at like when Wawa and Dain tried to leave, they went to the colony and the Christian people there were like, "Well, you need to." pledge allegiance to our god and they were like we don't want to do that and so they were like we'll live in the in the the woods and i like felt like that was like a theme throughout the movie when it was first introduced and probably like 30 minutes in but then it recurs throughout and i thought that was like in addition to probably why they waited until night until the credits to do the 1987 bit i like christian stuff i thought was fascinating um, because you're introduced to them from so far away and it does feel kind of like, yeah, that's not, don't go there. Um, mm-hmm. but then when it's offered as a solution to them being caught between these two tribes, um, it, it, for a moment you're like, I guess that is the only way to kind of get out, like to, to find a different life where you can be together um but as soon as you get to that uh colony it's so unsettling 
to mm-hmm. be with these Christians. And, like, at first you're like, are they smelling and, like, doing, like, low mumbling chants as part of, like, their particular way of Christianity? But then it's like, nah, this is just kind of typical, like, evangel- evangelized Christianity where it's like, uh, you're covered in sin or like you've lived in sin in the forest and like we can clean you mm-hmm. and bring you in um, and it's so unsettling it really feels like a cult when they get there and when they leave and he's like yeah these people are freaking me out and she's <laughs> like yeah let's just live in the jungle instead yeah. <laughs> was like yeah like, and I think like even the delivery of that line felt kind of it just reminded me of the way like uh, Brett or Jermaine from Flight of the Concords says stuff where it's just kind of like those people are freaking me out like let's not go there it's just a very like (laughs) i don't like that Mm -hmm. uh which i found very sweet and also just funny that both of them were like yeah we're not gonna do that well i think i think it's extra funny too because like earlier before they go to like that little community um they're just like talking about what their options are and like one of them says like well we can just live in the jungle and the other one's like, but that would be a really hard life. Like, I don't think we want to do that. And then after, like, 30 seconds with this group of people, they're like, oh, yeah, no, we don't want that either. We'll, we'll do that hard life in the jungle. Like, that's, that's way more worth it than putting up with whatever the hell this is. Yeah. <laughs> These crazy people. Um, yeah, which I, I thought was such a bold uh, plot point. Uh, that you really are introduced to this as like, oh, I think this could work out. Mm-hmm. And then when you meet them, you're like, nah, never <laughs> mind. Um, and like literally, they end up choosing death over them. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. they would rather die together next to this volcano um, than with this weird band of Christians. I I do think that I found that very like the end of the movie um, and we're kind of all over the place but sorry to anybody who's I thought the end was so time. surprising. I Oh, see I was actually they... going oh, to I wanted them the to make opposite. it. Well, I was I, like, I mean, "Oh, I... they're going to find a, a bit of land and they're going to live in the jungle." And I was like, "Oh no." I see I wanted them to make it. Like, I think, yeah, obviously, like, they, like you said, like, it's a very beautiful and sweet and pure love story. Like, they literally just, like, fell in love and just wanted to be together. And that's just, like, it's a beautiful thing. But the fact that, like, early on in the movie when the shaman is, like, taking Celine to the volcano for the first time and she's just going to, like, eat the mushrooms. And he's like, no, 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 you can't eat those mushrooms. They're poisonous. And then later when Dain is banished and he's just walking away and you see him grab the mushrooms, you're like, oh shit, like, I know where this is. Like, it's mm-hmm. Chekhov's, you know, poisonous mushrooms. Um, <laughs> and so, like, I, when they introduce the, like, the Christian community, it's like, oh, okay, maybe this can be a thing. But once they get to the point where they're like, this is not how we want to live our lives... To me, there was only one way that it was going to end, and it was going to end with at least one of them eating those mushrooms, if not both of them. And I think the fact that they did both choose to eat the mushrooms together is a much more beautiful and powerful ending than if just he would have, like... Because at first, it like it made, they made it seem like he was just going to go off and do this himself, um, and then the camera cuts yeah. back to like inside that cave, and you see her climbing up that like ladder thing, and you're like, oh, okay, they're going to do this together. Um, 
And so I like as sad and heartbreaking as it is, I'm glad that that was the ending that we got. Cause I think that, like I said, I think that's just a, a much more powerful version of how like I saw it playing out once they decided that they were going to reject the, the Christian community. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Tierney. No, I, she I think like I, she's about to cry. <laughs> I like could. I wanted. So I watched this like a week ago and I wanted them I wanted them to make it so badly, and then <laughs> when they didn't, I was like, it, it caught, like, I knew that the mushrooms happened, but I was just like, oh, maybe they weren't actually poisonous and he already ate them. Yeah. <laughs> and and I was like, maybe it was just that, like, they didn't want Celine eating them, or maybe it's like, only when you're a kid, they're poisonous, and so I was like, it's okay, everything's or gonna they're... be fine. They're, they're just saving escape. them for like a, a, a phantom thread mushroom situation. Where it's like, yeah. <laughs> you just get really sick and they didn't want the little like nine year old girl to get really sick. Yet, yeah. So. <laughs> and so I was like devastated. Oh, anyway, Matt, you were going to say something. I think, yeah, I think I about halfway through or as soon as they were like, uh, as soon as they rejected the Christians, I was like, I don't really know where this is going. Uh, I definitely thought the same thing about the mushrooms where I was like, somebody's going to eat these mushrooms. And I was like, <laughs> if they're f- forbidden lovers, like, the, it's a tale as old as time. Yeah. Romeo and Juliet, Pyramus and Thisbe, uh, Bonnie and Clyde. Like, everybody who... Yeah, I don't know together. why Bonnie and Clyde <laughs> doesn't <laughs> You know, because they die together. Um... <laughs> Thelma and Louise. I thought it was more romantic than Romeo and Juliet, because that one was just an accident. Whereas right. this was oh, well, like deliberate. Yeah. I didn't know if it was also going to be like a, oops, oh, you did it already. Oh, wait, you didn't wait for me. Oh, I'll go too. Which I was going to be like, I hate these kind of uh, oopsie, we didn't talk, and now we're both dead. Um, I so think you this hate Romeo more, and Juliet. <laughs> I think it's a stupid ending. Yeah. I think it's like, it's just annoying that like nobody can talk to each other. I, which I would is, like, agree. A problem with a lot of stories, sure. not just Romeo and Juliet, where I'm just like, fucking, give him a line, like just let him know what's up, and maybe <laughs> things don't have to go this way. <laughs> in any case, actually, in Romeo and Juliet, she does send him that letter, and it just gets lost. Anyway, uh, I definitely <laughs> thought something was going to happen with those mushrooms for a minute. I I just was like, maybe he'll make he'll attach them to an arrow and oh. then he'll kill the other people or like poison them himself. in soup or something yeah like yeah like shoot them and they're like oh it's a mushroom and it's in me now and i'm dead um because <laughs> mushrooms so are I, so pointy yeah well i i thought just like wrapped around an arrow and or like dip like, like you boil it down and then dip exactly, the arrow tip in exactly, yeah presumably you could exactly. like transfer the the poison whatever to like yeah. the, the tip of an arrow i certainly have uh but i definitely <laughs> didn't know uh exactly what was gonna happen i really wanted them to make it i couldn't figure out a way for anything to work out if they did mm-hmm. um which i also think is interesting to uh i think that idea of like what is good for the for the tribe what is good for the people uh and could bring about peace uh is greater than one person's want yeah i think is is uh a uh, a point of view that is presented from everyone but 
the lovers. Um, and I think at, at a certain point when war is about to break out and things are tense, uh, you do kind of feel like, oh, maybe this was a selfish decision to uh, like escape like this and leave everybody to potentially kill each other. Um, I think you can understand why they did it and why especially Wawa mm-hmm. would do it um, because this is about her the rest of her life and I think that's also why she chooses to die instead of live with some stranger who she doesn't love um, which also like if he had died alone and she had gone back to the village that would have been a really depressing ending that yeah. would have been like oh god what a fate that like mm-hmm. love couldn't win um, and I think it's like I mean, it's based on a true story, so two people actually killed themselves uh, over this. Uh, But I think that uh, conflict of you could, like, your whole people, uh, all of your people are at risk if you don't do this. But it's also like, why was she the one who had to do this for everyone? Like, why was she chosen... um, and how is that fair to make her the 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 only way that peace can be broken? I will say, uh, the Amedin, the other tribe, uh, don't have a lot of nice things going for them. <laughs> they are constantly killing people. Very one-sided. You don't get a lot of, like, uh, Wawa's people were attacking them. It sounds very one-sided. Uh, they're the ones who demand uh, her return. They're the ones who are going to kill Diane if they find him. And only in the end, when they're like, yeah, this was really sad. Fine, we can have peace. It's like, y'all. I you got fucked the it sense that everyone. it was like, like always retaliation. So they were retaliating yeah. against each other. And even though it would be something like, like it would just never end because it would be like, well, you killed my person, I'm going to kill you, your person, and then it's like, mm-hmm. well, you killed my person, I'm going to kill your person. Right, and like, there's that. So two things. One, to your point, Tierney, there's that scene between Wawa and Dain where he's saying like, they killed my parents, I want revenge, and she's like, we have to let like this cycle of revenge has to stop. Like, and so that's kind of how I interpreted it too. It was not that it was just like. not necessarily that like one group of people was just like attacking another group like just willy-nilly like it definitely did feel like at some point one person fucked up on one side and then it just like ended up kind of like ping-ponging back and forth and like i don't think that they were like i don't know if we don't get the the story so i don't know but like I could easily see that snowballing if it's like, okay, well, you killed one of our tribe's people, so now we're going to kill one of yours, but it's not going to be like an eye for an eye situation, right? Like, you, it's not like you killed my mother, so I'm going to kill your mother. Now it's like you killed my mother, so I'm going to kill this person. Your whole family. Then, like, yeah, and then, like, it just kind of snowballs from there where it's like, you know, I, I, so that was how I interpreted it. I also think, to your point, Matt, about how it seems really one-sided, I think that's because it is really one-sided yeah um not necessarily like this is a good or bad thing but it's just like we are only ever introduced to this tribe's life like whenever we see the other mm-hmm. tribe we only see the men because the men are coming to 
the place, you know, because, like, there is a line where they're like, okay, well, bring her to us in two days, and we'll give you a bride as well. So, like, we know that that, uh, the other tribe has women that presumably do the same general function of, um, you know, like, making the dresses and doing that kind of, like, cooking the food and that kind of stuff that we see these women do. Um, but it's just because the, because of the way the movie's told and because, like, the lovers that are, like, the story is about are part of the the first tribe. We, like, we just never get that side of the story from them. Which, again, is not to say that that's necessarily, um, like, that those people, like, the Imedin tribe were, like, it's not to say that they weren't always the aggressors. I just don't think it's necessarily fair to, like, jump to that conclusion just because right. we're never, like, given that context. But I think that's the problem, is that we're not giving any of the context besides they killed both of Diane's parents. Yeah. They just attacked the shaman of the village who, like, they say outright, like, we're defenseless without him. So, like, it was a pretty high-level assassination attempt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, they followed him to the volcano in which he was just talking to Celine and which... then clubbed him. Is also does I got the sense that the volcano is like a sacred place as well. Yeah. So like from what we are presented in the movie, they are the the only aggressors, and I definitely understand. Like the story is that these two tribes have been going back and forth forever. Right. Um, but I think it becomes so. Uh, you don't really. I, I maybe that's the point is that you don't want Wawa to go. To them, like, mm-hmm. and it doesn't mm-hmm. feel fair that she would have to. Um, but I think, like, it just constantly, f- and maybe that's the struggle too, is that you, as the viewer, has to do what Diane has to do, which is accept that peace has to be brokered instead of revenge. Mm-hmm. Um, but you could certainly understand why he's so mad. Oh yeah, now he lost both parents, and he's gonna lose Wawa. To people who have done nothing to try to broker the peace. Like, mm-hmm. even in this, they didn't present uh, a bride. They were like, we'll come back and we'll present her later. Which is like, you're not also meeting at the table with the same, uh, like, level of negotiation. So, like, I just feel like they come off as very uh, antagonistic. Mm-hmm. And with almost no... Uh, reason for you to understand why revenge like if they're so vi- and I guess that's the point is that at the end they're like there's too few of us for us to be fighting mm-hmm. but it really is like what is this group's problem like why can't they not club a shaman at the sacred area why can't they stop fucking killing people <laughs> when the other side doesn't seem to be interested in that like even in the way that it's presented of like stay out of this area because they kill us Mm-hmm. is not like because this is like argued territory and like if if they see you like they'll kill you the same way that if we see them we'll kill them it's presented very much as like this group is out to kill us um and then they do all the work to uh broker the peace which i think is kind of unfair not bad and mm-hmm. i think it's good for the story but i think it's unfair that they even have to do this much work and lose two people from their tribe in order for the other one to be like, okay, fine. That's all I have to say. About <laughs> um, mostly I just, yeah, I just did not, I was annoyed and angry that 
this other tribe was seemingly uninterested in what how much work was going into this peace accord mm-hmm. that's fair even being even being upset that she ran away and being like if we find him we'll kill him and we'll take her anyway and it's like okay <laughs> like how are you again the one who gets to kill another person like how is this yeah fine um but yeah i think it's also like it's interesting to uh this idea of the individual versus the society that you're part of Mm -hmm. and how much you owe your people um and what your duty is to that and i don't think it i think it presents it in a way of like your human agency I don't know. What am I rambling? What's going on? Why is no, you just no. said duty, and I was going <laughs> to go duty. Are you kidding me? I, was... <laughs> I saw Tyranny smile and move her mic closer to her mouth, and I was like, I know where this is going. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I interrupted you to make a poop joke. <laughs> I wish I was more That's all mature. I have to say. <laughs> I wish I wasn't this way. Uh, no, we like you just the way you are, T. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Um, you were saying, Matt, like... Just that, uh, I think, like, I also wrote down, like, brides being offered uh, for peace is symbolic of, like, growing together. Like, we want to blend our people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, in concept in an ancient kind of sense you're like that makes sense but i think like it's an interesting uh story that presents yeah the removal of that human agency in choices like this of like decisions made that have to do with your life and what you have to do with with the rest of your life and i thought it was a really interesting scene with the grandmother where she was like all of the all of the marriages are arranged my marriage was arranged like this is just what you do. And she's like very much encouraging and pressuring Wawa to just be part of this. And I thought that was such an interesting scene in that it presented like, it's just a tradition to all these people. Um, and to Wawa and Diane, it's not, uh, but everybody else is basically just like, this is just how it works. Like there's no choice, but this, Mm -hmm. um, which I thought was sad. And also, I think Celine is the protagonist of the movie. Yep. Um, I had that as one of my notes. I said, <laughs> this I is her movie. Yeah. It's yeah. Re- it really is her movie. Um, so that was oh, the I'm thing so that glad I... we're all on the same page. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was the thing that I had, like, totally forgotten about this movie. Like I said, I saw it and I don't really remember much. But, like, I did remember, like, the broad strokes was that it was just, like, a tragic love story. Um, I super did not remember that, like our introduction to this world for the most part is Celine. And then we just like, not if we're not like directly following her, we're just seeing so much of like the, the broader like strokes of the story through her eyes. Um, and I think the, it, I think she, the, the, the actress, or I mean, I like, I assume none of these people are trained. Act- I, I, I think this they're all the only movie they've done. Yeah. I, was, I think that the, they're all like these, like actual indigenous people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I can't really like call her an actress, I guess, but like sh- the girl who played Celine is fucking incredible. She's so yeah. good. 
um like she every time she's on screen you can't not watch her and just like be feeling the same things that she's feeling and there's that um shot towards the end of the movie where it's just her sitting there crying and like the camera's close up on her and you just see these tears coming down her face and it's like a this is heartbreaking b like how are you not like a trained actress like she's so fucking good in that sequence about that sequence i wrote down that it was celine but i think it might have been their mother um but the angle in which it shot at it's very hard to tell but i wrote down celine crying and then it was like wait i think the eyebrows and the hair belong to the mom who we then see like crying and very sad in subsequent scenes I thought it was Celine. I'm pretty sure it's the mom uh, crying. But I initially thought it was Celine and was like, whoa, what? Yeah. I definitely thought it was Celine. I thought it was Celine too. I also just like, like, could watch her, like, living in this world f- forever. Like, she has, I like that she's, like, fairly mischievous, yep. which I <laughs> thoroughly enjoyed. But also, like, I don't know, for lack of a better word, like, stunts that she does are, like, really fun to watch. Yeah. Just, like, her, when, like, running and, like, climbing and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, like, the there's a sequence where she's, like, she's told, like, where they're all, like, they go out and they're trying to find Wawa and Diane, And she's like, I think I know where they are. And they're like, don't go out there. Like, you gotta stay here. And then she just runs after them anyway. And she, like not only is it fun watching like you there's that scene where like the group of um the Imedin tribesmen are like running and they like kind of jump over that thing and they just like keep on running and then like a little bit later you see her do it and she just i mean like she's smaller than them so she doesn't like clear the entire gap but like just watching her like be totally fearless and just do the exact same thing and the fact that she ended up being the one who like found them first and knew exactly where they were it was just like oh this girl fucking gets it like she totally is like on a different level than basically anybody else in this in either tribe um and so like getting to watch her be that was really fun um that's yeah like so fun yeah, she was she was great. I loved her. Yeah. And yeah, absolutely I, like this is her movie for sure. I think even when she's with the shaman uh at the volcano, mm-hmm. at first I was like this is an interesting like side story to uh this love story that mm-hmm. we've seen brewing already. Um but then when he gets attacked, you're like, "Oh, this is a major event. This is like the turning point of the rest of the movie." Um uh, and she has this mythic hero quality to her of, like, she travels with the shaman all the way to the volcano. That shot of them ascending, where it's just their silhouettes against... Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, my like, God. <laughs> ...the side of the volcano is such a beautiful shot. Um, and then... But the fact that, like, she travels through to, like, look at the Christian village and go all the way to the volcano, go up the volcano, only to run all the way back to town... Yep. And then say, like, the shaman's been attacked, and they're like, bring us to him, and run, she runs all the way back, only to do it again later to find Wawa. Like, she has this kind of, like, uh, just, like, mythic quality of just, like, she'll run these expanses, um, and will do what needs to be done to, like, save the people she cares about. Um, Mm -hmm. And, like, she's the one who gets introduced to the idea of the Amedin killing um, Mm -hmm. her people. 
she's she like watches Wawa go through all of like the little uh, traditions and like welcoming into womanhood ceremonies, uh, and is like watching it very keenly to like understand what's going on. Uh, and she's... yeah, she's the last shot of the movie. She closes the whole thing, mm-hmm. um, and it's like the piece that she was witness to and didn't necessarily like help broker since they both died uh but she was there throughout the whole thing and i think yeah it's it's an interesting story told through her eyes i do think that like yes she like actively did not do anything in terms of like brokering that piece but the fact that she was the one who told them like here's where they like you know like if the Mm -hmm. if anyone else would have found wawa and dain first that's like true. it, it never would have happened. Like it would have, <clears throat> if the Imagine people found her, found them first, they just would have killed Dain and taken Wawa away. Um, if the other people found them first without her being there, like who knows what could have happened. Um, so the fact that she was the like she was the one who made sure that nothing bad happened with these people allowed for the the rest of the story to play out the That's way true. it did. So, like, yeah, I mean, she didn't, like, actively do anything, but I do think she was, like, an integral part of making sure that, like, we got to where we needed to be at the end. And that Wawa and Dain got to make their choice right. on their own. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, which is true, yeah. But, yeah, I thought she was phenomenal. She's so fun. Um, also, speaking of just because we were talking about, like, how uh, these actors have only really done this movie because they're actually part of these tribes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dain passed away last year, which oh, is very sad. No, because uh, I just looked it up, and in 2019 uh, he died. I didn't see how, um, but he was only 24, which means he was only. I was gonna say like, they... 18 in this movie. Yeah. I saw something on I think it was Wikipedia that was they cast the tribe cast him as Dain. Because they thought that he was the most handsome person in their tribe, which I thought was very sweet. Oh, that is sweet. Um, he is pretty handsome. <laughs> like, I was gonna say, I th- yeah, I thought both of call. them were like, yeah, <laughs> they were both very attractive. <laughs> like I yeah. thought Wawa was like very, very beautiful. Um, oh no, he died of a scratch. Oh, he had like a a cut on his leg, and then it got infected, and he died of sepsis. Oh. Poor Thanks. guy. Yeah. Woof. Um, uh, that's very sad. But, like, his real name, his last name, or the name that is his surname, uh, is Dain. Wawa's is Wawa. Um, and the Char- Charlie, like, the chief of um, mm-hmm. their people, his real name is Charlie. <laughs> and, yeah. like, he met the royal family. So, like, this is basically using who was there and their names, uh, which I think is, is really interesting, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and as much as it's Celine's movie where she's part of it, like, it really is three different movies. It's, like, Celine growing up and, like, doing the adventurous, like, uh, things that she does. It's Dain and Wawa trying to find this life together. And it's also uh, Charlie, who's trying to broker this piece and, like, is a good character and mm-hmm. is, like trying to do what's best um and learns in the end that like sometimes you have to put people before tradition um in certain circumstances but 
I think those are all, it's like, it, it was like a very short, peaceful version of Game of Thrones. Of, like, multiple <laughs> plot lines, of, like, various levels of, like, status in these groups of people. Yeah. And tragedy. Um, but, yeah. It, but it's way such a, better than Game of Thrones. I was going to say, this. yes, <laughs> I agree. The The ending here was great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, I think it's all, yeah, just like the volcano also being this like power that is so close to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you first see this like the black sands and like just this giant volcano that's like very active, it did make me think like it would make sense that people put faith in this, like the yeah. power of these of these places to believe like I think this might be God, like this might be some higher power which also makes more sense than like something that's invisible than something that you can't put you can't go to you can't like bring your family to to say like this is what we believe like this giant powerful volcano has been around forever um like this we called it sacred um so it just made sense too and every time they showed spewing magma uh, was like, this is crazy that they just live near it, and like, this is a place that they go. Um, yeah, that's all I have to say about that. I think that, like, I mean, I, I don't know there's so many volcanoes in the world. I can't say for certain, <laughs> but I know that, like, a good number of them are considered uh, sacred. Uh, and one that comes to mind, it actually looks very similar is the one that is used as Mount Doom um, oh, in Lord of the sure. Rings. I would try and pronounce it, but it I would just completely butcher it. Um, <laughs> but it is part of like a series of volcanoes that you can like hike through. And it goes, I think, along a fault line in New Zealand. Um, but you some like you can climb it, but it's like extremely frowned upon and like people have protested it and I did not do it a because it would be so disrespectful B because my body is not physically fit enough (laughs) (laughs) and the actual crossing that we did do destroyed me yeah um but like that's why they look the same and I was like climbing that would take like a day I feel like oh um for, for like Celine to just run up it is like oh my god yeah the whole time everyone is so fit I was like the whole time I was just like these people are on just like a totally different like I could I could spend the rest of my life trying to get to that place where these people are and I still wouldn't get there like this just like I remember having that thought when I was watching her run back to the village to be like oh the shaman got hit they attacked the shaman and just like i was like there's no fucking way like i literally would never be able to do this like i could run for like a quarter of that distance and then i would like fall over and maybe pass out like there's just no way that i could do that and they're doing it barefoot like i was just like watching kind of like what you were saying Tierney, like the athleticism and like how it's fit beautiful. all of these people are is just so impressive. Um, I really want thing- to be that fit. I don't think I have any chance of, but I was like, <laughs> I want to be able to run like that. <laughs> um, 
another thing I really appreciated about the like the filmmaking of this movie is that there's not a lot of score. Like there are mm. moments where you do have score, but a lot of this movie is just just the sounds of nature. Um, and I think that that goes a really long way to like really like um, to grounding you in this reality that that we're in. Um, like whenever you're in the village, there's not a lot of music that happens unless it's like the tribe singing a song. But for the most part, you just hear the sounds of everyday life, and I think that it just makes it makes the whole thing feel so much more real. And then to the point of like, I can, you know, like what you were saying, Matt, you can see why people would say that this mountain or this volcano is sacred. There's not, there's no score for those scenes. So you're just like, you see this, this image of this, just like, you know, this, this volcano looking completely mesmerizing. And then you just hear all the, like you hear the, the explosions of the magma and you just hear the wind whipping across like the plains in front of the volcano. And you're just like, you're struck by this, like this overwhelming sense of power. Um, and I think that like the choice to not have that set to music was a really strong choice. Cause I think it would have made the movie a lot weaker if they would have imposed, you know, cause like so much of uh, film score is like trying to tell you how to feel. Right. So like, mm-hmm. I think the fact that they just like, let this, like let this world speak for itself um, was really cool and really powerful. And I, I, I definitely don't think I would have appreciated that when I saw this a couple years ago, but it was one thing I noticed when I watched it this morning and I was like, Oh, this is a plus work here. For that scene, I wrote down awe-inspiring power of nature. <laughs> for real, for yeah. Um, what, I think that's also what I'm like, here for. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, like the sounds of everyday life, uh, of like them playing in the water and like uh, like slathering coconut lotion on each other to like cool themselves off, um, was so. It was so like pleasant just to be with them and like see how joyful their everyday is um and also like i think because they keep introducing the ideas of like this is happening in the modern day like these people exist and this is their life um and they don't have technology and they don't use money and they don't uh have all of the trappings that like go into modern life um, and I think it's so, uh, I think it's, it's so easy to see that the joy that they're feeling when they're like just making like happy noise while playing in the water, but it's this communal full, like community noise, um, is like, oh, this is concerts. This is, uh, big events. This is the things that we go to and we just like make noise together mm-hmm. to be part of something together. And like when you strip it all down, like, this is just what it is. It's just people being together happy that they get to live their life together and, like, play and laugh uh, and be super fit. Just be the most (laughs) fit people you've ever seen. Even the elders have, like, ripped backs. Like, their backs are muscled. Where you're like, you could lift anything. You could lift each other. And it would be easy. I mean, um, they did. They carried the yeah, shaman from yeah. the mountain. I oh, I also and also love... they carried Wawa and Dain back. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, on multiple occasions, they literally carried whole ass human beings, like however fucking far it was from the volcano back to their like, village. Like, have you ever been like carrying, 
like a grocery sip- bags. Well, I was gonna say I hate grocery bags. That's how bad I am. Like I remember when some of my siblings were little, and like if they wanted to go somewhere, they could be light as a feather. But if they didn't want to go somewhere, they just became dead weight. And yeah. like I'm talking like toddlers to where I'm like, fuck me, you're heavy. Like yeah. I can't imagine doing that with like a hundred and fifty pound person. Yeah. Yeah. Three times they bring yeah. the shaman and both of them down. <laughs> I also, I did love the way that they make the announcement loud enough through like the bush for them to hear, where they're just like, We found Wawandain. They are both dead. We're coming back to town. And everyone in the town hears this announcement and like rushes towards them. Um, but even just that, like they're making the announcement before they get there, and this is just like how they operate. This is how they communicate and like bring the bodies back. And even that, like having them be like, you got to bring them back here. Like bring bring them back to be here with us, so that we could bury them on our uh, land. Yeah, I I those little details of just like their life uh, were so beautiful and. Yeah, something that you just don't get to see. Because I think, like, also a lot of stories about, like, indigenous tribes are always told with the perspective of, like, somebody from the outside coming in and learning Mm -hmm. and being like, oh, they're just like me. and I want to be part of this. (laughs) That's what I meant by, like, exoticism. So that's what I was... National Geographic say, I... used to like take pictures of showing people cameras and it's just like fucking awful. So yeah. I, that was kind of how I wanted to like end what everything I had to say about the movie was kind of going along those. T- so Tierney, you mentioned you texted us earlier just saying like, hey, like, is this like, you know, what do we think about this? And I do think that when I was watching the movie this morning, I did think of Avatar in like what you were saying Matt like this I think there are a lot of similarities between like the tribes in this movie and the tribe that we see in Avatar but I think the way that this is done is so much it's handled so much better and I think because of the fact that these are real people and like I think you you can tell that they're whether or not they were like like definitely making their own choices you can tell that like the filmmakers gave them the like the respect to at least be open to what their lives are like and be open to what their customs are to try and give like an actual fair representation of who these people are and i think that throughout the entire movie you can tell that there is that level of respect to these people and to their customs mm-hmm. that um that i think makes this movie a, uh, a much more significant version of that kind of story. Um, just because it, it doesn't feel like that. Um, it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't feel like we've got an outsider coming in and critiquing this or like trying to make their lives better or anything, which are a lot of the, like the tropes that we typically see with these kinds of stories. We just see like, okay. these are the people who they are and we're going to let them be who they are. And we're going to tell their story their way. Um, That's what it that, felt like to me is it felt like their story Mm -hmm. yeah and in the end for it to like we said earlier for the resolution for the peace between these people to be where all we have like we're smaller every day 
and we've resisted so much that's tried to rip us apart that like it makes no sense for us to be that force that tears us apart so like why don't we come together finally and make this one people and the scene of them dancing in the end yeah of all these bodies and all the traditions um because i think that's the other interesting thing too is that they follow the same religion they follow the same cultures like they are the same people just divided uh and warring and when they finally come together and are at peace and can celebrate together um, it's such a powerful amount of people. You really get the scope of how united they've become now. Um, and I think that also kind of rejects the idea of of exoticism, of like, it's about these people staying themselves, like mm-hmm. remaining exactly as they are. And even having that magazine to be like, we've, we've seen it. Mm-hmm. We know what's out there. It's not about, yeah. Uh, the way that I think a lot of colonialism or that all of colonialism operated in which it was like, we've brought you civilized culture now. How pleased are you that now you get to know this? And the two examples of that is the Christian village, which is deeply creepy. And (laughs) the presentation that like, we've been there, we've done that. We're aware that money and all the modern conveniences exist. That's not the point. Like we are, sticking to our traditions and to our people here. Also, like, the magazine is presented to try and encourage a arranged right. marriage and, like, uses Queen Elizabeth, who, <laughs> like, Britain claimed to be for how many thousands of years or hundreds of years that they were, like, mm-hmm. the height of civilization and their queen, queen and king was an arranged marriage. <laughs> yeah. So right. it's like... I don't know. That's a great I, I actually didn't yeah. even know that they were an arranged marriage. Or I'd forgotten. But I was like, yeah. oh. <laughs> I also never I watched yeah. The Crown, as, so. Yeah. I think as much arranged as, like, all the royal families of yeah. those peoples are like, you know this person, and it's just going to happen. You're just going to have to marry them. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, to broker peace. Like, this is also, like, those kind of things have just been going on forever of, like, we have to show that we're invested in our future together. Right. Um, and so arranged marriages is the way to do that. Um, but I think also a story like this that did affect uh, the Tanis people uh, of these suicides over love marriage is also, like, such an incredible point of the movie is to say, like, uh, there's things that, like, there are ways that you can still adapt that only help your people and don't hurt your tradition. Mm-hmm. Um, and like this, ki- like you, it can be both. Um, and they learned that. Like the point is that they learned that. And in the end they're saying, we've got to find a way to make this work because we can't let this happen again. Like, right. I think the, the, the specific line of dialogue, I didn't write it down, so I might be slightly off, but it's, it's, it's basically, like, we need to find a way to bring love marriage into costume. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that the way that it's framed like that, it's like, we're not changing anything. Like, we're keeping our, our faith or our religion or our whatever. We're keeping it the same. We're just trying to... We need to find a way to bring this new piece of the puzzle into the broader picture. 
Um, and I think the way that it's presented like that is really powerful. Yeah. And a lot of other religions could take note. And, uh, sure. And also address things that are old fashioned and stupid, maybe, or hurtful, uh, and I don't... figure out how to make it better for the people that actually ask for it. Sure. I don't know if we Catholic need to draw... Church. I don't think we need to draw the line on uh, religions either. I think that that can be applied to sure. forms of Cultures. government, uh-huh. culture, yep. uh, amendments that may or may not be part of the the bill of rights like you know there's some things happen back in the day the and they world. don't necessarily need to to stay mm-hmm. that way because things are different so yeah and it shouldn't take two people dying right or many Any, many, many or people anyone dying. thousands yeah right. <laughs> oh uh but yeah i think that's a great like uh message that this movie delivers yeah mm-hmm um, last thing I say is just to call out for, there's so many beautiful shots in this movie, but one of the ones that I was most surprised about was the shot of, like, the very vivid, uh, night sky between the canyon walls. Mm-hmm. Oh my just god. moving through this canyon, <laughs> looking up at the sky, and I was like, didn't expect to see this shot in this movie. What, like, what a phenomenal shot. It didn't look so real. Many. It didn't yeah. look real. Like, it just, it looked so unbelievable <laughs> it's just mm-hmm. like how did they get this shot <laughs> like yeah um and, and they probably manipulated this i'm sure they did yeah in but some like, way it but just, just a been like a, a like a greater exposure or a, like a right. yeah like you just play around with the settings on the like i have no doubts that the sky looked like that yeah i mean it sounds like you guys do <laughs> I don't. I mean, like... Oh. I mean, there's, like, a nebula in that shot. Like, we're not looking... We can't see nebulas that often. The exposure, probably. Yeah. And with the amount of light pollution, I'm sure that it... Yeah. It did a lot yeah. of favors to actually show what's in the sky. But it did look unreal. Uh, and it was moving, I feel like, too fast. Yeah. There was, some, there was something that looked National Geographic about it. If you, I, like... You can absolutely do that with a, a camera by playing around with the settings because people do it in the desert because yeah. there's less light pollution as well. And air pollution because that'll also screw with the picture. Yeah. The um, Literally any shot with the volcano involved in any capacity was beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically any shot that was like a silhouette with the volcano in the background or anything like along those lines. Or just the, the fire of the volcano. The, yeah, like anything related to the volcano was incredible. Um, I think, Matt, you mentioned the one where they're just like walking up and you just see their silhouette was great. And I think um, there's one where Wawa and Diane are just like hugging each other. Yes. They're just like embracing each other. And it's literally just their silhouette. It's all black. And then you just see like the, the volcano, like the like the splash of red and orange in the background was like a breathtaking shot. And I also thought like one of the first shots um, or very early on in the movie, I think it's like the first time where Wawa and Diane like actually interact with one another, but you just see like one of her eyes through some leaves and then the camera moves a little bit and then you see both of her eyes, but it's just like, she, like she's almost like hidden in the jungle and you just like see these eyes and it's just like such a, like a stunning 
like oh like it literally like took me back i was like wow like whoever like storyboarded that shot good fucking job because that like looked amazing yeah and i think this is a case of like uh to briefly touch on exoticism again um like the filmmakers did collaborate with uh the village and with these people to tell what story they wanted to tell and this is the story that affected them and their culture most and i think the idea of like we know how to use these cameras and we can present the story that you want to tell without making you be the ones to do it. Like, without being like, okay, well, we're going to give you the cameras and, like, you do it yourselves. Right. I think, like, being like, we will show the story that you want to tell and we'll film it in a way that presents it in this beautiful, um, poetic, epic quality. Um, And just, and yeah, tell it with your people in your homes with your uh history um i think is also like it doesn't feel like it's it has any of any other purpose than to give these people a chance to tell their story to more people mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and to let the to also just to let people know they exist like these people are alive right now and like living their lives and happy and joyous and like don't need uh anything that we feel that modern society is like, oh, we got to get it to everyone. Yeah. Well, I think um, the, so I just looked it up. The, the directors were documentarians. Like yeah. their first mm. two films were documentaries. So I do think that like, the and I believe that, they lived with them as well. And yeah. Like, so like the, the fact the that they were, they probably were approaching it. Like, yes, this is a narrativized version of a true story, but the fact that they had the documentarian background, I think, went a long way, yeah. too, right? Because, like, the, a good documentarian is supposed to, like, just observe, right? And I think that, like, the fact that they had, um, like, that was their background, I think, goes a long way for making this movie be what it is. And, like, you know, allowed to, like you said, let these people tell their story their way. But just, because, yeah, if you would have given one of them a camera and say, like, all right, tell your story, like, there's just no way they would have ever been able to just do it like yeah so. and they have no interest in it like they've already yeah. said like we're not interested in money we're not interested in all the other things so it's also like you don't want to compromise their like life by right. being like do this uh so i think it's very uh it seems like a very uh mindful way to mm-hmm. be like we will help you bring your story mm-hmm. um to more people yeah yeah i i thought it was beautiful though i thought it was a a beautiful and uh yeah it's just one of those stories it feels like a fairy tale or a myth um Mm -hmm. in in everything it's doing um tattoo ideas i would just say yeah i was gonna say yeah it's like it's gonna be something it's a it's a landscape like it's i'm not like committed to the volcano but like it would be a landscape i did think like somehow involving like some of those shots where you could see the night sky it's like the one that you mentioned matt like definitely jumped out to me um but yeah like holy shit the the landscape of this movie Mm -hmm. incredible yeah i also love the shot of celine running to the volcano and it was just like layers of like smoke or ash or mist and it's just her running farther into it and everything is just like layered in these muted colors another great shot 
Uh, I would absolutely live on this film set, personally. Oh, yeah, uh-huh. for sure. Um, yeah. What's the last one? Did it? It didn't. Did it win an Academy Award? It did Award? not win. It did who not did win. It, so who did it lose to? Um. Let's see. So obviously, it was only nominated for best foreign language film. Um, it lost to the Salesman, which is uh, Asgar Farhadi's movie. And did, did you ever see that, Matt? I know you saw Separation. No, did you ever but see I the love. No, I love Asgar Farhadi though. The Salesman. I I like. I remember this category now that I like look at the list. Um, the Salesman was by far the best movie of that year. That movie. I wouldn't doubt it. I love. Fucking wrecked me. That movie is so good. Um, This was also the year with Tony Erdman, which that movie fucking sucks. Fuck that movie. (laughs) 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 They're making an American, supposedly, I don't know if this is actually happening. It's been a while and I haven't heard anything, but they were making an American version and I was just like, hard, hard pass. Like, I just am not at all interested in this bullshit. Um, But yeah, Salesman was really fucking good. I, you know, I, I, I don't know what else I think this movie could have been nominated for. Probably cinematography. Yeah. Um, oh, shit. <laughs> Best supporting for Celine. That's what I was going to say. Cinematography yeah. and I think Celine would probably be like the ones that I would throw out. Or Best um, Actress, depending on how you're looking at the movie. That's true. I, yeah, I think... probably they would i would think they would probably campaign her supporting if they were like if anybody was going to try and make a campaign like i think that she would have a better shot of getting into the supporting race mm-hmm. um are you ready for me to read off the best cinematography nominees sure uh arrival lion la la land moonlight and silence did um, moonlight win no girl we all know what won La La Land? Yeah. Oh. Fuck that. What? I don't remember a single shot from that movie as being particularly stunning, where it's like every other shot in Moonlight is incredible. I would and say, it's lit incredibly. Like, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. I would say Arrival, Moonlight, and probably Lion. Like, Lion looked really dope. Uh, any one of those three should have won before. La La Land, and this movie should have at least been nominated, but the Academy is not good at nominating foreign language stuff for anything outside of foreign language until recently, so, you know, good on them. Get out with your La La Land and give me my Wawa Land. Does it? Uh. (laughs) (laughs) Do we want to do things we did this week? Yeah. Did you write your list down? I did write stuff down again. Look at you. You're I'm ready. Go- now you're prepared. I know. Um, so I watched, I watched, I consumed a lot of media this week. Had a girl. <laughs> uh, so I watched Okja. Um, Hell yeah. Which is, oh, you're, thought, huh? you're having your bong, you're, you're having a Bong Joon Ho down? I am. Uh, uh, <laughs> my two notes from that movie, I thought it was very good, but watching Mija sprint and do all these stunts was incredible. <laughs> Uh, and it, that movie might be the only role that I've liked Jake Gyllenhaal's performance in. And he's, like, so awful a character, but he's so good as an awful character. I love his performance in that movie. But it's not 
I can't believe that it would be the only Jake Gyllenhaal performance you like. I don't really like him. Um, Did you ever see Nightcrawler? Nah. He's pretty awful. I mean, he's like he's a monster in that movie. Like his character is a monster, but he's so good in that movie. And he looks wild. He's like like, real gaunt. (laughs) And his eyes are huge. (laughs) He looks crazy in Nightcrawler, (laughs) and he's so good in it. People said the same thing about Donnie Darko, and I didn't care for that movie at all. Oh, that movie early Gyllenhaal. Okay. Anyway, uh, (laughs) I watched uh, I May Destroy You on HBO, and it is. Excellent. I was gonna say, is it as good as everybody says it is? It is harrowing and so tense and so heartbreaking, but I would recommend. How many episodes are there so far? I think the fifth comes out tonight. Okay. Um, But I thought, I didn't think it started until last week, and so I went to look at it, and there were four episodes, and I was like, oh god. Um, But it is so good. And like everyone's performances in it are so good and the writing is so good and the filming is i just love it i uh, watched chewing gum so i should watch this where did you watch that i think it was on netflix for a long time it might say, still be i don't know okay. if it still is i know that it was on netflix it was either on netflix or hulu for a really long time but i don't know if it still is i think the bbc has an agreement with netflix okay it's possible um, I also finished reading The Motorcycle Diaries by Che Guevara. Cool. Nice. Um, and then I watched Ford versus Ferrari. And that was uh, Go on. Sorry. <laughs> I thought it was a fun movie. But fun fact, Lee Iacocca, who's one of the Ford marketing guys, or it might be Iacocca, I might be mispronouncing. He's one of the Ford marketing guys, and he was the one who started Ford's racing line, which they talk about in the movie. But he mm-hmm. also went on to design the Ford Pinto, which is the first subcompact car. And it's the first well-known instance of a capitalist cost-benefit analysis leading to the phrase of bean counting. So it's like how many... Basically, if... Because if the Ford Pinto is rear-ended, it would usually explode. Or if it was rolled over, it would catch fire and explode. And so the document, which is called the Pinto Memo, was evaluated the cost of repairs to society for injuries and deaths related to the fires and the cost of repairs of the car i think i said that wrong cost of repairs of the car versus the damage to society and they found that it would be more expensive to fix the cars uh anyway so i thought that was interesting which brings me to the last movie i watched this week which was star trek starring place beyond the pines chris bean (laughs) Wait, no, fuck, I messed that up. God place, damn it. <laughs> place, starring. We did all that. Stop. Starring place, place, beyond, place Beyond the Chris Pines and Zachary Kinto Bean. Which begs the question, if you bumped into Zachary Kinto, would he explode? <laughs> I did watch Star Trek. (laughs) Fine. I'm not going to lie to you. I had no idea where this was going until right at the very end. God bless you, Tierney. Matt, she sent me a text earlier this week that was just like, 
I'm watching Star Trek right now, and you know that I'm going to work Kento back into the podcast. Unbelievable. <laughs> what a crime. Oh. <laughs> Talk about a twist. As soon as you mentioned the Fort Pinto, I was like, this can't be good. But then, but then I waited. You were probably like, oh, yeah. she's going to do it. And so I, I made it look like I wasn't going to do it by talking about the car. And then I the brought only, it back with Star Trek. Oh, incredible. The only reason I even was waiting was le- I was like, you know, this is a lot of boring information about cars <laughs> that has <laughs> nothing to do with anything. I thought it had like, to do with capitalism. Even, I mean, sure. But it's also got nothing to do with Ford versus Ferrari. I was like, where are we going? I know Why that was. Are we getting these statistics? Because <laughs> he's but in that movie. I knew. I knew. But I knew. As soon as you mentioned the Ford Pinto, I was like, this is not about. This is not about accidents. This is not about capitalism. I know where this is going, and it's exclusively to Zachary Kinto Bees. <laughs> Did you also like my place, place Beyond the Crisp Pines? Yes, but I love that movie more than I love that pun. That movie sucks. Shut up. <laughs> all right, that's it. That's um, all I did this week. Very proud of you. Great In- job. Incredible Thank stuff. Way. Incredible Life stuff. Finds a way. But if you take anything away from this, watch I May Destroy You. Um, quick follow-up on Ford versus Ferrari. Mm-hmm. Did you also think that they're... Like, the the movie that we got is, like pretty good did you also think that there's like a hour and 45 to two hour version of that movie that is excellent mm-hmm. okay because like yeah. that was everybody like fucking loved that movie when it came out last year and i was just like yeah this is fine but it's also pretty bloated and i think we could have edited this down a lot and gotten a much better version of the story but i would have been happy enough <laughs> just watching christian bale race sure um that was no spoilers yeah. Anyway, what did you guys do this week? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I watched two movies that came out this year that are both very good and would recommend both of them. Um, I, so you, I mean, you guys know, and maybe I've mentioned this on the pod before, but I like in normal non COVID years, I try and just like see literally a hundred movies every year. Like I try and see a hundred new release movies every year. And this year, since like theaters have been closed for so long and like movies haven't really been coming out, I just like haven't seen a lot of stuff. And like a lot of the stuff that I have seen hasn't been great. Um, But I did see two movies this week that I think are like legitimately fantastic. Uh, One of them is called first cow. Um, It's a new Kelly Reichert movie, and I've never seen her stuff before, but um, this one I thought was really good, and I'm going to try and check out some of her other stuff as well. But it's literally set in, like, the early 1800s in the Oregon Territory, and it's, like, a really simple, sweet, beautiful, like, story about friendship and these two guys who... (laughs) literally just steal milk from the old, the first cow in the Oregon territory so that they can make better baked goods. <laughs> it's just like it's so simple and so sweet and just like everything I wanted in a movie <laughs> right now when the world is on fire. I just wanted to watch this like very beautiful heartwarming thing. Um so I would recommend that. I think it's only available for 
digital purchase right now but i think later this month it's going to be available for like rental on like itunes or amazon or whatever so uh would recommend and then i watched um (coughs) palm springs which is the new uh lonely island produced movie that just came out on uh hulu this weekend and it's i don't want to say much about it because like it's not like a spoiler heavy movie it's just like it's kind of a weird quirky movie and i think the less you know about it going into it, the better. But um, I thought it was really funny. I thought it was really sweet. I thought it was really moving and uh, would definitely recommend checking that out. So, and then I started reading a new book. Um, it's called An Absolutely Remarkable Thing. Um, and I'm only like about 40% of the way in. Uh, it's pretty entertaining so far. <clears throat> um, but I just recently found out that. Uh, the guy who wrote it is the brother of John Green, who is the guy who wrote like *The Fault in Our Stars* and *Paper Towns*, um, which and has... *Turtles* literally everywhere. <laughs> that is the name of his book. *Turtles* literally everywhere. *Turtles* absolutely <laughs> fucking everywhere. Have you seen a fucking turtle? There's so many goddamn turtles. <laughs> yeah, what a trilogy of books kid, that was. That kid, that one kid, would love it. I like turtles, kid. I like turtles. Oh, I like turtles. He'd love it if they were fucking everywhere. <laughs> yeah, I mean, who wouldn't love it if there were so many fucking turtles everywhere? But anyway. Um, I just remembered it's turtles all the way down. I forgot what the name of the book was. Yeah, like the saying, like the phrase, it's turtles all the way down. Is that a phrase? It's like yeah. a like a story. It's like a, What? Really? Yeah, there's like a. I'm gonna look it up now. It's um, not commonly used. It's not super common, no. But it, like, it is a. Like, <coughs> it does like John Green did not coin that phrase, is what I'm saying. I had no idea. I yeah. thought that was, yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah. So I've I've been reading what like I started reading that book, and after I started reading it, I found out that the author is John Green's brother. I was like, oh, that's a fun coincidence. So, um, fun. yeah, and then. Uh, another weird coincidence with that book is I found out that I started reading it, um, on Sunday and on Wednesday, I found out that it has a sequel that came out on Tuesday. So like fortuitous timing on my part that like now, once I finish this one, I can just dive into the next one right away. But but yeah, that's all. That's what I've been up to this week. And then sometimes playing the last of us too. Not enough for Matt's liking, but I have played that game a little bit. perfect segue into uh my stuff Uh, the french pronunciation yeah i'm doing it in the authentic latin french pronounced oh segue yeah or if the u was a v a seg v anyway um anyway last of us two i played the whole thing i'm replaying it now on new game plus and hot damn is it a good game uh, I didn't play The Last of Us until, like, the week before Last of Us 2. Um, and at certain points, uh, Colin and, and our friend uh, Joel would text and say, like, I think this is the best thing that a video game has ever done in, like, that vague of terms. And I was like, I don't know what that means. And then by the end of the game, I was like, oh, I get it. I think this might be the best thing a video game has ever done. Um so I highly recommend it. It's getting a lot of weird uh, criticism from both sides, mostly from awful alt-right people who hate <laughs> the game for no good reason. Um, 
but there's just like a lot of weird uh, criticism about it that I think misses the point of almost everything. Uh, but I did that, and I loved that. Um, I watched an American, the American President last night with Michael Douglas and Annette Bening after rewatching 20th Century Women. Oh, which we'll God talk bless. About later in this podcast, uh, in a different episode. Uh, but the American President, early Aaron Sorkin, pre West Wing. I was gonna say, I think the West Wing was developed from like <clears throat> leftover ideas he had from that movie, if I'm not mistaken. From the leftovers. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, we got a reference to the leftovers in the episode. Uh, the American president. Weirdly uh, enough, it didn't come from either of us. Yeah, yeah I've never even seen it. <laughs> the, the two who love that show. It's the other one who's like, oh, yeah, that's a thing you guys have talked about. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, but the. What was I saying? The American uh, president. Yeah. Early Sorkin. There's like literally some lines lifted directly from the West Wing or like later included in the West Wing. And a lot um, of the characters are basically like the names are different, but like the roles that they play and like the yeah. their characterizations are like basically the same. There's an AJ, there's a CJ in West Wing. Uh there's a daughter, there's a daughter in the West Wing. Um and it's but all of the uh like low key misogyny and like <laughs> ham-fisted policy like optimism of the west wing is rushed in the movie and so uh it turns out it's problematic uh in a few different ways mostly around uh, annette benning's character who she's phenomenal and she's given really good stuff to work with but her the plot points that she has you're like what how did how is that what we're taking away from this um so there was definitely some stuff that left uh, all of us here at this house like, how is this a good movie? It's not. <laughs> uh, and then the last thing I did, I finished Devs. I watched all of Devs on Hulu. Um, it's phenomenal. I think Sonoya Mizuno, who's the uh, lead in Devs and also plays uh, the other robot in Ex Machina and the humanoid in Annihilation, uh, is sensational. She's so unique and so fun to watch on screen uh, and makes so many interesting choices. Devs as a show I thought was super compelling and very tense. And so then I rewatched Annihilation uh, and loved it even more. Uh, so God. That movie's yeah. so dope. Alex Would you Garland say that it bae. annihilates you? <laughs> no. Every time you watch it? No. <laughs> No, but I will say that there's a bear at one point that screams, help me. So you should definitely watch it, Tierney. That movie is... Why would that deep, make me want to watch it? That's deeply, the point. Deeply upsetting in the best also, possible way. Yeah. Is that the Oscar Natalie Portman one? Yeah. yeah. Oscar Isaac also guts someone on screen. And you get to watch it the whole way. A human? Yeah. And, oh. then, they, and, then, he, and then they put their arm inside of his insides and they're like, moving like a snake across their hand oh it's lit <laughs> it's so dope <laughs> yeah. that movie's fucking awesome and then um, when you're playing the last of us and you're walking and they're like somebody's like oh there's spores put on your mask and you're like oh yeah i'm gonna get some real annihilation shit here. yeah i'm gonna start like growing fucking... trees from my arms <laughs> movie's sick and awesome god bless that movie alex garland you fucking rule um but that's all the stuff i think that's all the stuff i watched i'm watching avatar the last airbender and it is still awesome 
Everybody's, so much better than you'd think. I've never seen it, but now that it's on Netflix, everybody's losing their shit over it. It's very funny. It's very uh, political. Um, and also just, like, inc- very good messages of, like, it never takes the easy way. And it's so action-packed, and all the characters are likable. Even the villains. Everyone's so well-rounded. It's one of the best cartoons I've ever seen, and I'm only in the first season. Uh, oh, wait, you're talking about the TV show? I thought you meant the M. Night Shyamalan movie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't oh, get that think, reference, but Matt's I face Matt, made it funny. <laughs> I think Matt just died. <laughs> I think I just watched That was a death soul. rattle. <laughs> just, <laughs> just escape his body. <laughs> oh, man. Um, no, the movie he I'm not for tyranny's sake. M Night Shyamalan did the live action version of this cartoon, um, and it's universally loathed um, in a way that like happens so few times between like something being so universally beloved and and a remake of it being wholly uh, reviled. Would you say the same about Gotti? <laughs> no, I think Gotti was respected in all directions. I think everyone thought it would be good, and then it was great. And, it was and that's, why, that's why it won Best Picture, and that's why John Travolta won Best Actor of the Century. Oh, man. At the Razzies. Incredible. Uh, guys, I'm looking at the schedule. Uh, if we don't make any changes, we've got a like, killer lineup coming up. Uh, Thrilled about it. So next we're going to watch uh, On Sundays, which is Denis Villeneuve's... Ooh. I think it was his last French Blended. film before he started making English films. Um, and then Last Black Man in San Francisco and then Death of Stalin is what we have up next. Oh. Hell yeah. God bless us. We're, we're in for such a, such a treat. Hopefully. I've never seen one of those movies, so we'll see. <laughs> I haven't seen Death of Stalin, but I love uh, Iannucci. Yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> what, a way, what an exciting ending. Wow. All of us just very resigned. Like, well. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, is that it? Um, if that's it, then uh, I guess I'm finished. <laughs>